Well, for the last time this season, Merry Christmas, and welcome to our weekly podcast. Today, we're in the final week of our Christmas message series. We're calling this series Christmas Catchphrase. During the month of December, we've been taking a closer look at some familiar phrases that we see in the accounts of Jesus' birth in the Gospels. Now, these phrases are important scriptural truths that help bring us back to the true meaning and message of Christmas. You could say they point us to Jesus. Today's Christmas catchphrase comes from Dr. Luke's account in Luke chapter 2. Now, you're going to be familiar with this passage because we've been in Luke 2 for a couple of weeks now. We've spent most of our time here because Luke's gospel is filled with phrases that are filled with meaning. As I read these verses aloud this morning, I want to encourage you to keep an eye out for today's Christmas catchphrase. You're going to hear it and see it in verse 10. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 8 through 14. Um, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I'm curious, did you catch the catchphrase? Today's phrase is, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Luke chapter 2, the latter part of verse 10 says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Friends, Christmas is all about good news. Let me say that again. Christmas is all about good news. This good news that was announced by the angel was relevant to the shepherds and for all people during their time. And it's still relevant for our lives today. Today, I'd like to share four reasons why this good news is relevant for you, for me, and for all people. The first reason, if you're taking notes, that this phrase is relevant is because we have a good news God. We have a good news God. I would say that we have a good news God in a bad news world. Right now, many of you are looking for some good news for a change. You turn on the evening news, you browse the internet, you get on social media, and it seems like the only kind of news lately is bad news. Well, friends, I have some good news for you today. In a world full of bad news, we have a good news God. The biblical writers frequently talk about good news coming from God. In fact, the messenger in Luke chapter 2 is identified as an angel of the Lord, and the good news that he's sharing is from God himself. You could say it this way, that this is the proclamation of God through his messenger. Now, the Greek word for the phrase, I bring you good news, is actually just one word in the original Greek. It's a fun word to say. It's the word euangelion, euangelion. Now, if you're here in person or if you go back and watch uh, the message live this weekend, uh, I'll throw that word on the screen so that you can see what it looks like. It it doesn't look 
like how you would pronounce it. It's one of those words, but it's a cool word. It literally means I bring you good news or I preach the good news. This is really cool because it brings a different meaning altogether for the idea of good news. Both the Old Testament Hebrew word and the New Testament Greek word for good news um, includes the concept of announcing or proclaiming a message of good news. Before the birth of Christ, um, this was connected with the worship of the emperor at the time, Caesar Augustus, was even used to celebrate his birthday, um, and it referred to announcements that were made of victory in battle. The biblical writers in the Old Testament connect the good news to God bringing deliverance from enemies, especially um, when God's people, the Israelites, were delivered from their exile in Babylon. You jump to the New Testament, and the New Testament writers use this word primarily to talk about the good news that God brings salvation, redemption, forgiveness, and a Savior in Jesus Christ. The angels in Luke's account are making a bold announcement, a bold proclamation of this good news. See, Jesus was presented in direct contrast to the reigning emperor, Caesar Augustus, who was called Savior, Son of God, and the one who would bring peace on earth by the people. That's how the people designated him with those titles. That's not how, how God referred to him, though. The angels proclaim the good news that Jesus is the true Savior, the true Son of God, and the one who would bring peace with God, peace with each other, and the peace of God into our lives. Jesus is the one to whom we say, glory to God in the highest. Jesus is the one who is God with us. You know, this was a countercultural announcement, a countercultural proclamation then, and it still is today. Uh, for example, I think this is really cool. We, we have an inscription from 9 BC describing how people would have viewed Caesar Augustus during that time. We, we still have this today. And if you're here in person this weekend, or if you're watching online, I'm going to put a portion of this inscription on the screen for you. But for those listening online, I'm just going to read it for you. So this is an inscription from 9 BC describing how people viewed Caesar Augustus. Augustus, being sent to us and our descendants as Savior, has put an end to war. And whereas finally the birthday of the God, Augustus, has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him, Therefore, let a new era begin from his birth. So this concept of bringing good news was well known in the culture that Jesus was born into. That's how people referred to the emperor during that time. This proclamation, or euangelion, was known in practice in regard to the emperor. But now these messengers, the angels, the armies of heaven, refer to Jesus as the true Savior, the true Son of God, and the one who would bring true and lasting peace on earth. This word for good news was not used by accident. In fact, Luke uses the word 22 times in his gospel. The entire New Testament refers to good news at least 50 times. The first words of Mark's gospel, so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. The first words of Mark's gospel say, this is the good news. This is the euangelion. It's making a proclamation about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you go down to verses 14 and 15, and it says, Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Luke's gospel, chapter 8, verse 1, says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. 
So the angels in Luke 2, they proclaim the good news that a Savior had been born. That was the announcement. In a world full of bad news, friends, we have a good news, God. There is good news in Jesus Christ. The second reason, if you're taking notes, that this phrase is relevant is because this is good news, not good advice. This is good news, not good advice. I think Tim Keller explains this best, so I'm just going to use his words this morning. Uh, Tim Keller once wrote that advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what has already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something that has already happened and to respond to it. Advice says it's all up to you to act. News says someone else has acted. This is good news, not good advice. You know, the biblical accounts of Jesus' birth, his life, death, burial, and resurrection are accounts of what has already happened. Luke begins his gospel by saying, Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account or an accurate account. And then Matthew begins his gospel by saying, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Luke begins his account of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2 by saying, At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. What I want you to see here is that these men were stating what had already happened in history. The writings of Matthew and Luke are telling us what's already been done, not what we should do. Now, the Gospels do give us important instruction for what it means to know God what it means to to live the life that God has called us to live, to be ambassadors for Jesus, to be kingdom workers. But these good news announcements that we see in the Gospels are all about what's already been done. And this is really where the Christian Gospel or the good news differs from other world religions. Other religions talk about a person's struggle to find God, efforts to just be a good person morally, and the search for peace with God based on what we do and how we follow certain rules. The Christian gospel says that God came to save us, to reveal himself to us, and to model for us a purpose-filled life. The Christian gospel says that meaning and purpose is found in a relationship with the living God by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the Christian gospel is first a proclamation that your life can be saved, redeemed from sin, shame, and even death through what Christ has accomplished on the cross. And friends, that's really good news, not good advice. If you're taking notes, the third reason that this phrase is relevant is because this is good news that we bring. It's good news that we bring. The angels brought the good news to the shepherds. And then Luke chapter 2 verse 17 tells us what the shepherds did with that good news. Luke 2.17 says that after seeing him, that is after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds decided to go to Bethlehem so that they could see with their own eyes what the Lord had told them through his messengers. And this really begins what we see throughout the rest of the New Testament, that all those who hear the good news and believe in Jesus, 
then go and bring that same message to others. So first, we, we go and see the Messiah, just like the shepherds did. That's how it begins for everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus. That just means that we check things out. We make sure that what we're hearing is true and relevant to our lives. Then once we hear the good news and believe, we go and bring that message to others. Matthew chapter 28 Verses 18 through 20, a very well-known passage of Scripture, says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave his great commission just before he ascended into heaven. He told his disciples to share the good news, to share the gospel with everyone, everywhere. Our mission here at OCC is to make more and better disciples. This is the great commission. This is the mission that Jesus has given us. We believe that we can accomplish this mission by doing three things. Number one, we want to be intentional about inviting people to come and hear the good news. So we challenge our church family. We encourage you to invite the people who are in your circle of influence, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your your Facebook friends, to invite all people to join us online or to join us in person when we're here so that they can hear the gospel proclaimed. Two, we want to be intentional about equipping people to grow. You know, our walk with Christ is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's called a walk for a reason. It's one step at a time. One step means growth. And we're to always be growing and maturing in our faith. So we want to provide opportunities for all people to grow. And then finally, we want to send people to serve. And we believe that we're called to be a sending church. And people are sent down the hall to serve in children's ministry. They're sent to the sound booth to serve during our services. They're sent across town to serve at Wafer. We also send people around the world to minister to other people groups. We're going to talk more about our mission as a church this next year. It's really part of the overall theme for our year in 2021. We're going to talk more about how we're being intentional about inviting, equipping, and sending. But right now, I want to challenge you as we come to the end of 2020. I want to challenge you to begin praying about how God would use you as part of the body of Christ this next year. Pray for new opportunities that that God would give you those opportunities to invite people to come and hear the good news. Pray for opportunities for growth in your own life, opportunities for you to help others grow. And opportunities to be sent, you know, using the gifts that God has given you, whether that's down the hall, across town or across the world. Friends, the good news is something that we bring to others. Just like the angels in Luke 2 brought the message to the shepherds who then spread it around and then Jesus left his disciples and us with the good news, which we now bring to others. We are called as Christians to bring the good news to others. And here at OCC, we want to bring it well. We want to bring it well. The phrase, I bring you good news, is also relevant for a fourth reason. This is the last truth, the last point for today. If you're taking notes, this is good news for all people. You know, this is good news. It's relevant because it's for all people. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Matthew records the angel telling Mary um, that you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, right away, you can tell that Matthew believed that Jesus 
is the promised Messiah. He, he's the one who was promised throughout the Old Testament. Now Luke, in his gospel, he's writing to a Gentile audience. And he records these words from the angel. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. We know that Jesus first came as Messiah to the Jews. But Luke chapter 2 verse 10, and his own instruction to his disciples affirms his coming for all people. Matthew 28 verse 19, part of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. He didn't say just one nation or one people group. No, he said all nations. And Paul actually affirms this, I think, in the clearest possible way in Romans chapter 3 verse 29. He says, after all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, Luke records the words of the Apostle Peter when he says, But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I underline that word, everyone. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter was preaching the very first sermon on the birth, life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in the middle of his sermon, he shares this amazing truth that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When he finished his sermon, God's word tells us that Peter's words pierced the hearts of the people who were listening. And they said to him and the other apostles, they said, brothers, what should we do? And this was Peter's response. Acts 2.38 says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At the time of Jesus' birth, the angelic messenger announced a worldwide gospel, good news for all people, for all nations. This is the good news the shepherds shared, the good news that Jesus commissioned the disciples to share, the good news that Peter preached, and the good news that we can now hear, believe, and share with others. Friends, the good news of Jesus is for all people. This good news is for you. It's for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. It's for the worker at Quick Trip that you see when you're paying for your gas. It's for the person that you've been angry with and upset with for the better part of 2020. It's for that individual that you haven't spoken to in years. It's for the millions of people that you will never meet this side of heaven. Friends, the good news is for all people. The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. This can either be a catchphrase or this can be a catalyst for your life. It can either be a catchphrase or a promise that you build your life on. I bring you good news is good news because we have a good news God in a world full of bad news. And there's a lot of it right now. Jesus brings good news. This is good news because it's just that. It's good news, not good advice. It's good news. It's good news because it's good news that we bring. You know, the shepherds shared the good news of Jesus' birth with others. Jesus commissioned his disciples to share that news with everyone, everywhere. And we're to be Christ's witnesses, his ambassadors, who also take his message of grace, hope, and salvation to everyone, everywhere. And finally, this is good news because it's good news for all people. Regardless of your past, Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, died, and was raised from the dead so that you could have a future. If you don't know Jesus, 
If you've never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus, you can believe the gospel message. You can repent of your sins. You can confess your belief in Jesus publicly. You can follow his command to be baptized into Christ. And you can live the life that God has created you to live. A life filled with the Holy Spirit. A life lived with joy and purpose. God with us. Peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest. I bring you good news. Friends, these are important Christmas catchphrases. But they are each one so much more than just a catchphrase. These are scriptural truths that bring us back to the true meaning and message of Christmas. These are catchphrases that are meant to bring meaningful conviction into our lives, not just provide an emotional response. As I conclude our Christmas series today, from the bottom of my heart, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a joyful New Year. As a church family, let's go into this new year with our eyes focused on the Lord trusting that he is good, that he is faithful, he is full of mercy and grace.